today, tomorrow, next week, or whenever. Um, we are going to uh, pray, and we are going to jump right into this. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. Father, you just such a joy to know that we are in covenant with you. Father, it is such an honor that you chose us to be in covenant with. The Word tells us that you could even redeem the angels, but you didn't. You chose to be in covenant with us. You could have redeemed anyone and, 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 and entered a covenant with anyone you wanted to, but you chose us. And for that, we say thank you. Thank you for the old covenant. Thank you for the new. Thank you that the law pointed us to you, but you fulfilled that law. So now we rest in our security of a new covenant. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I want to first um, kind of review something that um, Pastor Ted was teaching last week um, before I jump into mine. And what he was talking about was the difference between being in a contract and being in a covenant. And, and how those are very, really diametrically opposed things. Um, contractual relationship implies the need for you and I to be good enough. Um, and, and that's what he was talking about last week. And so before we can ever receive the blessings, um, we have to be good enough. The sad part is, and he and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, is that you ask most of the Western church what they know about covenant or even the Old Testament, they want to immediately take you to the law. And that's, you know, but what God has set us into is beyond the law, before the law, into the Abrahamic covenant. So in the, when he's talking about the Old Covenant for a lot of it in the New Testament, he's actually talking about the position they had in the law which is contractual. It really wasn't a covenant at all. It was a contract that says, be good enough and I'll bless you. Do enough and I'll bless you. And, and honestly, as he brought out last week, that is the position that most of the Western church today still operates in. We, we, we train our kids this way. Do this, do, be good. God will get you. God's watching. God, you know, we make God this, this figure that if we don't do everything that we're supposed to do, then he breaches the contract and then punishes us. And so I just want us to remember, because before we get into this, of, of that teaching of last week, and the other thing I want to bring out from last week is contract says that we have to be good enough, <clears throat> excuse me, to receive God's blessing. But a covenant says because of the race relationship between you and the one who made the covenant, we now have access to God's blessings. That it really is not about us. It was really about the one person representative covenant that God made within himself. You know, and, and it's so awesome when you think about that. Jesus comes down, well, God comes down and wraps himself in humanity that we call Jesus, okay? Um, and as God and as human works out this whole covenant on our behalf, he, as he brought Pastor Dave up, he said this was a representative. Jesus was the representative of man and God. He represented both. It was a one-man show there for our benefit. 
And so if we don't understand that we're in covenant with God, our prayer life is going to be severely hindered. Severely hindered. Because you're always going to pray something and then you're going to say, did I do every, did I check all my boxes today so that God will answer my prayer? That's contractual thinking. That's thinking off of a contract. I tick all the right boxes and then I know God may, maybe, maybe he will, maybe he won't uh, pay attention to my prayer. But what I want to minister tonight is embracing covenantal prayer. In, in other words, Praying from a, a place of covenant with God rather than having, being a praying from a place of a contract with God. So what is a covenantal prayer? Covenantal prayer is not going before a God whom we are not sure that loves us. <laughs> Who we're not sure he even wants us there. Or that, that he's even bothered by us coming to him. I don't know how many times I've talked to people, Galen, and, and they've said, well, I said, well, did you talk to God about this? He's not worried about my little problem. There's so many bigger problems in the world. You're in a covenant with him. He's concerned about everything about you because he has the ability within that covenant to meet all of our needs. So a covenantal prayer is not one where we come before God wondering, okay, is he going to hear my prayers? Is he going to answer my prayer? It, that's contractual thinking. Did I do enough? Covenantal thinking is knowing that our prayer is rooted in the completed work of Jesus and nothing else. That in the finished work of the cross and the profound power that it bestows on us, his victorious sacrifice and resurrection, we embrace it and it transforms our influence with God. Did you know you have influence with God? Because you're in covenant with God. So when you're in covenant with God, you have an influence with him. <laughs> So it's not just playing the, dealt, the card you were dealt. It's understanding when I'm in a covenant, I can ask for some things. And because he entered into this covenant with me, I can expect that those blessings come because of our covenantal relationship. But if we're ever going to really pray out these covenantal prayers, then we're going to have to have a new covenant mentality. And I want to rephrase what Pastor Ted said last week. Most of the church do not, does not operate under a new covenant mentality. I want to show you some things tonight on first what we have to do to change our mentality. Living with a mindset. Here's, here's how we know that most people don't. Because they do not live with a mindset of the finished work of the cross. Because they still think there's things that they have to do to make sure God loves them. That is not a finished work mentality. That is, he started the work. Oh, come on. That is, he started the work, but it's up to me to finish it. Mm. Well, no, no, we don't really think that. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Oh, can I, I'm going to make everybody mad in here tonight right off a of bat. Linda, you're going to have to stand in front of me. You know how I know we think that? Because we still use something called a sinner's prayer. Come on. 
In other words, if you don't pray that prayer, then the salvation doesn't work for you. What we need to teach people is to accept the free gift, accept what's already been done, accept what's already finished, not that their words phrased the right way make sure that it's done. That's contractual thinking. Covenant thinking says, hey, if, if, we, if, if, if you and I are in a covenant and I have a need, how I many of you know salvation was a huge need in some of our lives? And I have a need, and we're in covenant, then I walk up to you because you set the covenant, man, you're a lot more powerful than me. And I say, Jeff, I have this need. And because we're in covenant, I'm coming to you knowing I can trust you to get, take care of that need for me. And you are glad that I came to you. You're not bothered that I came to you because the covenant says we're family now. I don't have to say, you will never look at me in a covenant and say, if you do this, 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 and this, and you say all of these right words, then I'll give it to you. Jeff would say, oh, you have a need? Well, hang on. I'll make sure you get it. Folks, we've made salvation so hard on people. All they have to do is accept it. Accept what's already been done. There's no more work to be done. Just say, he, the, the sin's already dealt with. The cross finished. You've got to live with this mentality. If you don't live with the mentality that Jesus' cross was enough and there's no more to be added, you're going to struggle when it comes to prayer because you're always going to be begging God. You're always going to be pleading God. You're always going to say, God, did you forget me down here? See, this is where faith comes in. What faith does is it goes before God, it prays a prayer, it asks God, and then it walks away thanking God that it has the answer. And when it comes back and sees God again, it doesn't go, oh God, oh please, oh please. That ain't faith. That's a contract saying you didn't hear me or you've forgotten about me. (laughs) Come on. We do this. This is how we pray. Faith comes before God, it asks a question, so what, if it, what do I do until that need is met? It's called thanksgiving. It's called prayer. It's called prayers of thanksgiving. It's called prayers of faith. What is a prayer of faith? Father, I thank you. Jeff, if, I'm going to, if I want to operate, Jeff's God, okay? So I'm going to go to Jeff the next time I have a need. See, if I really know I'm in a covenant with him, I'm going to say, Jeff, I need $100. And he looks at me and says, okay. Now, if I really am in covenant with him, I don't have to stand here like this. I know him. I trust him. I'm in a covenant with him. I walk away and I go over here and tell Ted, hey, I get $100. What do you mean? I got $100. I, I just went to God and asked him for it. Well, where is it at? doesn't matter where it's at. I trust him enough to bring it to me. And so the next time I come in to Jeff's presence, I'm not going to say, hey, Jeff, you do remember that I, got, I needed that $100. Did I show him I trust him? Or do I consider him like every other man who forgets? Now remember, he's, he's not Jeff right now. He's God. 
or do I forget? Do I treat him like every other man who forgets? Oh, oh, don't forget, I need that hundred dollars. Okay, but if you don't know how bad I really need it, yes, I do. So I walk away, and now I'm over here wringing my hands. I don't know if I'm going to get this hundred dollars or not. I really need to pay this bill. Phyllis, I got to pay this bill, and, and, and I don't know if, if, if Jeff knows. <laughs> so I go before him, hey, Jeff, you do remember, right? Am I showing him that I trust him? I don't trust him at all. I'm okay just to keep coming back to him and beg, but what if, my, what if I understand my covenant position with him, and the next time I go before him, man, I just want to say thanks again for that $100. Thanks. You knew I needed it. I know, I, I know you. I trust you. You'll get it to me when it's time. Thanks for that. And then the next day rolls around. Oh, God, thanks. Thanks for that. You've met my needs. You always meet my needs. According to your riches and glory, you meet my needs. See, there's a whole different type of prayer here. This is a covenant prayer. This is a covenant prayer that says, I know he will do it because he must. A contractual prayer never really trusts him enough. And so I have to keep going back and begging, and I have to keep going back and begging, and I have to keep going back and begging. Why do you think it is when I, pr- I put out a prayer request on our phone tree that after we pray, I tell everybody, and I use specific words, and I use them on purpose. I'm giving away my secrets, Bob. I say, now, when you think of this person, let's thank God for their healing. We don't need to pray for their healing anymore. We've already done that. And now I understand we're in a covenant. So when I go back to God, I'm not going to beg him to heal them again. I'm going to thank him that he heals them. And I'm going to thank. Now, let me tell you something. When we're praying for other people, their faith has to come into play here. I can have faith for Sandy all day long. That may not change a thing. She has to have a prayer of agreement. But when I go back, I'm going to show God that I trust him. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that we prayed that prayer. I don't have to pray that prayer again. If I pray that prayer again, I'm showing you that I don't believe that I don't trust the covenant we're in. You better take this because this isn't what I was going to preach. Still, <laughs> This is what covenantal prayer is, is knowing that my God shall supply. It's so easy to quote. It's so flippantly we quote it. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. But God, did you forget me? (laughs) Man, where's my mindset? It's not in the covenant that we have. It's in the contract. But what if I go out here and I do things? Everybody knows what kind of things. I do things, and I go back before God, and I still have this need. I can either trust him that he said he'd meet that need, or trust him that he doesn't like me enough, and because I went out here and did things, that he's still not going to keep his word. Oh, are you with me? This is covenantal prayers. Covenantal prayer says, I'm not perfect, but you are. And you will meet my needs even when I'm not perfect because we're in a covenant together. (laughs) This is the difference between contractual prayers and covenantal prayers. And so we need to start embracing a new covenant mindset. 
So let's look at a new covenant mindset. Oh yeah, that's how we got there, wasn't it? Let's talk about new covenant mindset. Go to Galatians chapter 3. Can't help it, Jody. It's too much fun. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Galatians 3. And if you're using the YouVersion app, all of these are on the YouVersion app. They're in order. And uh, yeah, it's all there. So Christ has redeemed us. Everybody say, has redeemed. You know what that means, right? It's English teacher, what's it mean? Past tense. So Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by being made a curse for us, as it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Verse 14. So that the blessing, the covenant of Abraham, so that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. We have to operate in the confidence of the work of Jesus when it comes to prayer. What is the work of Jesus? Has redeemed. Yeah, but I'm still falling into the same junk that I've always fell in. That's called humanity. We're working toward that perfection in our flesh. Our spirit's already arrived. Spirit has redeemed. So when I go before God, and I don't think I'm going to read this scripture to you. That's why in Hebrew it says, let us come to the throne of grace boldly. That's covenant prayer. When I go boldly before the, why can I go boldly? Because I belong in his presence. Yeah, but you don't know what I did last night or who even I did it with. I still belong in his presence. This covenant doesn't sever because I struggle. This covenant is based on what he did on the cross. This covenant is based on what was finished on the cross. Now, my, again, I have to preface all this stuff because people say crazy things about me. It doesn't give us a license to do anything we want to do. It doesn't give us a license to sin. Matter of fact, it causes me not to want to. The only way I can overcome sin is by this covenant. So when I'm praying, I come before him with the mindset that says, I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed. There's nothing against me. There's nothing that keeps me from being in your presence. There's nothing that stands in the way of me standing in your presence. And so I can boldly have, you ever had somebody do something bad to you? And then they come back and ask you for something and you're thinking, how dare you? How dare you come back? How, how much nerve do you have to ask me anything after what you, God doesn't think like that. He has redeemed. So a covenant prayer says, I'm going, and I belong here. And he says, man, I'm glad you're here. I didn't think you was ever going to come back. What was you waiting on? What do you need, child? See, when we understand the covenant prayer, we walk in going, he has redeemed me. He has redeemed me. I'm not trying to be redeemed. I'm not working on my redemption. I'm not trying to check off the right boxes. I'm walking in knowing I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. Hallelujah, I'm redeemed. He wants me here. (laughs) Praying this way will change your prayers. Romans chapter 3. Here's the one everybody loves to use 
on the, those who haven't accepted salvation, and this isn't nothing about them. Hear me. This is nothing about them. Quit using this. Uh-oh. Everybody's going to get mad that hears this now, Phyllis. I can't help it. Stop using these verses to try to convert people. It wasn't written about that. It's not what this is about. Read it in context. Oh, I know that, that tears up our everything. Romans chapter... Th- Somebody just gave me a funny look. Made me laugh. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that's what goes through our mind because we don't read anything else. We, we hear, we've heard that for so long that we forget that's a comma. That means the sins is not done yet, John. Right? That comma means what's coming next is actually contrary to the statement that was just said. Oh, or it's offering more explanation. But all we ever hear quoted is for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so we come before God. I'm not worthy to be here. I'm low. I'm, 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 I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. No, you're a brand new creature in Christ. Your old has passed away. The sinner's dead. But all we ever remember, I'm, you all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so we come before God with that mentality. So let's finish the rest of the thought. For all of sin, ooh, I can hear it now. There's brakes. You know, you ever been around a, a coal truck that slammed on its brakes? You can smell them. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, comma, here's the rest of the story, being justified freely. That right there should turn us on our ear. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's not the rest of the story. What's the rest of the story? Being justified freely. (laughs) He's not talking to people who haven't awakened or come into their to, uh, accepted this salvation he's talking about those who's been justified everybody's been justified freely he did it on the cross see this is our mentality it's like the cross didn't do it all the cross didn't finish the work they've got to do more to finish this work oh please come with me tell me somebody's here for all of sin to come short of the glory of god comma here's the rest being justified freely By his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. And that's still not a period yet. The thought is still not done. So let's stop. Here we do. Here we do. Here we got a covenant uh, uh, contractual thinking. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. You've not checked the right boxes. You've not done all the things. You've not said all the right words. So you come before God with a hope and a prayer. Or you come before prayer with a hope. But what if you said, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God? Yep. But being justified freely through his grace and having been redeemed, I, now I come before God going, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm justified freely. 
and I'm in a covenant with you, and you want me here. No matter how bad I blow it, no matter how bad I mess it up, I'm invited. Now again, this relationship causes me not want to do things. <laughs> okay? It's amazing how much stuff I don't want to do anymore. Just don't want to anymore. <laughs> so let's finish the sentence. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is where? In Christ. In other words, this isn't even in you. Was never about you. This is covenantal thinking. Covenantal thinking says this was never about me. The one single person justifier that he talked about last week. By the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, comma, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith, a substitute through faith in his blood for a demonstration of his righteousness because his forbearance God had passed over the sins previously committed. What? Oh, but... Pastor, you don't know my past. You don't know what I've went through. You don't know what I've gone through. I'll have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being freely justified by His grace and the redemption that is in Him. He has passed over sins previously committed. What about my future sins? The cross took care of those too. The cross was enough for all sin. See, we struggle with that because we don't have a covenant mentality. <laughs> Passed over sins previously committed. What's that next thing there, D? A comma. That means he's, not, he's still not finished with this. Do you see how we have taken one scripture out of context and try to use it? Mm. passed over sins previously committed to prove his righteousness at this present time so that he might be just and be the justifier of him who has faith in Jesus. I can't even, I can't, in other words, I can, there's nothing I can do about it. He's the justifier. He's proving his righteousness. He's not trying... He's not trying to prove my righteousness. Ooh. Is that not what Scripture says, Bob? To prove his righteousness? He's not trying to prove my righteousness. He's proving his. And that he is just and he is the justifier of those who have faith in Jesus. A covenantal prayer goes before God with their head up, knowing they are a child of God, knowing they belong there, knowing that they are not under a contract to do all the right things, but they walk in knowing I belong in the throne room of God and I can ask anything that I need of him. Because of the covenant. Hmm. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to get excited in a minute. I thought I was going to teach this. I didn't think I was going to preach. People say, well, you're taking that wrong. I'm only taking it like it says. It's what Scripture says. 
It's what it says. Romans chapter 8, verse 3. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through flesh, God did. I could stop right there. I wish there was a period right there, but that's not the end of the sentence. For what the law could not do, because it was weak, because of flesh who had to fulfill the law, God did. What the law tried to accomplish by making me right with God couldn't do it because of my flesh, but God did. Hmm. But God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And concerning sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. You know what the word condemned means, John? If you go up to a condemned building, what does it mean about that building? It means it's not fit to be used anymore. What did he say about sin? It's not even fit to be used anymore. What the law could not do in that flesh would fail. God did by sending his own son who in the flesh condemned, made it useless. (laughs) He condemned sin in the flesh. Comma. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled where? In us. This is covenantal prayer. All the law is fulfilled in me. Well, how can all the law be fulfilled in you? Because it was fulfilled in Jesus. And he condemned flesh. He condemned sin in the flesh. So a covenantal prayer goes before God with a smile on his face and his chest out, looking at his father with pure adoration, knowing that this covenant father is getting ready to welcome me. He's not looking at me side-eyed. He's not looking at me ready to push me away. He's not disgusted with me. He's not broke about me. He's looking at me going, come here, child. We're in a covenant. This is not a contract because sin has been condemned in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit what do you mean sometimes sometimes we can walk according to the flesh except for Christ killed it to crucify that for humanity too you walk in a zombie nature flesh that's already dead flesh that's already condemned That's why it stinks. Flesh that's already been buried. Flesh that's already went to hell. Went there with Jesus. He took it there. Why? Because that was the full of of salvation for humanity. Price would be paid. Hell must be won. Hell's the future. Why do you think Christ spent three days in hell? I'm going to have to teach that someday. Some of you are looking at me like you never heard this before. He spent three days in hell. Why? Because that's what happens to flesh. That's why you're born again. Yeah, you have the ability to dig that dead thing up. You have the ability to wear that thing around like a robe. It's only making you stink 
And it's making you think that God doesn't want you in his presence. But a covenant and covenantal prayers knows. Now, am I saying we don't tell God and, and, and repent for the stupidity sin we do? Absolutely we do. My goodness. If I do something to hurt D, I want to apologize for it. How in the world would I not hurt the greatest lover of my life and not apologize to him for it? Not ask for forgiveness for him from him. But because I have to ask for forgiveness from him doesn't mean he's trying to run from me. This will take us from praying for victory to praying in victory. Because believers for far too long have spent too much time praying for victory. And too far and too long have spent way less time praying from victory. The victory of the cross. So what are you going to do? You're going to pray for victory that you've already gotten or you're going to pray from it like it's already yours? The cross was the absolute turning point between the law based on the behaviors of failing humanity and the new covenant based on the victory of Jesus as humanity. The cross is that turning point. Up until that point, it had been law based on our failing humanity, on our behaviors. But the cross, the finished work, is the shift from praying for deliverance to praying in the victory of Christ. It's the cross. If we want to operate in a covenantal mindset, we have to understand that it all was finished at the cross. All of it. A covenantal prayer is a prayer that prays in revelation knowledge. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Are you getting this? You say, well, you make it too easy. You make it too good. I can't help it. That's who he is. He's a good God. Amen. <laughs> second, not second, not second at all. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Now that sounds like a big question. Who knows the mind of God who can instruct God in anything? Who knows the mind of God? Who can instruct God? But we need to read the rest of the verse. But we have the mind of Christ. Oh, we go around here praying covenant, uh, contractual prayers like if I do all the right things, then God will meet my needs. We're not praying the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ didn't ever one time think about God that way. <laughs> he didn't operate in a place with God where he had to beg God, wonder if God heard him. And so we understand that from a covenant relationship, we have to pray. What does the mind of Christ look like? It says, who can teach the Lord anything? But we have, what's that but mean? It means it's different than what that was. We have the mind of Christ. Jesus heard Lazarus was sick. So he hung out for a few more days. 
and then decided to go see him. Covenants never get in hurries. Covenant mindset doesn't have to get in a hurry. We think it has to be answered right now. Because we have a Burger King mentality. We want it my way, right away. Some of you may not remember that commercial. So he hangs out a little bit, and his, and his disciples said, Hey, Jesus, man, Lazarus is sick. And then, and then here's, here's another misinterpreted scripture. If you want to look this up, it's in John 11. I'm not reading right now. Here's another misinterpreted scripture. Jesus says to him, this sickness is not unto death. How many of you ever heard there's a sickness unto death? Come on. Not, not what scripture says at all. Matter of fact, you'll never find that in the scripture. It's an excuse to operate contractually and not covenantally. He said, this sickness is not unto death. Well, she said it was. Covenant doesn't have to hurry because it knows the answer. <laughs> so he goes, his sister runs out to him, beats him in his chest. Now, it doesn't say that. I'm imagining how she felt. She was close to him. These were, as a matter of fact, these were his biggest supporters of his ministry. She said, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And he said, he'll live again. Oh, Lord, I know he's going to live again at the resurrection. We're all going to do that. But we wanted him here. We wanted him now. And Jesus finally says, show me where they laid him. And so they take him and said, as Jesus began to walk, he began to see the hurt and how they grieved. And the word says to us here, Jesus wept. He wasn't weeping over Lazarus' loss. He wasn't weeping because his friend was dead. He wasn't weeping because the prayer didn't seem to work. He was weeping because he saw all of these people. They didn't really trust him. How didn't they trust him? If you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. He'll live again. I'm trying to tell you he's going to live again. I know at the resurrection. And so they were weeping and they were wailing and then Jesus wept. He saw their grief. And the only reason they had grief is they still didn't understand this covenant that he was getting ready to walk in. So go to verse 41. Everybody knows this story, but I want to show you what covenantal thinking is, a mindset of covenantal uh, belief. Said he's been dead four days. Why would we roll the stone away? God, he stinks. So verse 41. So they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laying, lying. And Jesus lifted up his head and said, here's a covenantal prayer. This is an example of a covenantal prayer. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And the first part of verse 42, we're not going to finish it, just 40, 42a. 
And I know that you always hear me. That's a covenantal prayer. You've heard, he's standing in the front of a tomb of his dead friend. And he says, Father, I thank you that you hear me and that you hear me always. Contractual prayers wonder if God hears us. We wonder if God has really hurt us or have I done something to tick him off? Have I done something to offend? Have I, I'm sure you have done something that would offend God. <laughs> but a covenantal prayer. Jesus understood his covenant with his father. And he said, I thank you that you hear, you have heard me. And I thank you that you hear me always. Imagine going to God praying like that. Let me tell you something, folks. You can't just say these words. You can go before God tonight praying these words. But if you don't understand it here, if you're not completely convinced in this covenant, you're just trying it. You've got to be convinced. You've got to understand this covenant. Yeah, but why would he hear my prayers? I'm nobody special. Let me tell you what that is. That thinking doesn't trust the finished work of Christ. That thinking does not trust the finished work of Christ. That thinking is, does not share the covenant mindset of God. And that thinking is still in a contractual mindset because they're wondering if I'm good enough, if I pray hard enough, if I can get enough, if I can get enough people praying. And I'm not talking about people, I'm not talking about let's saying let's get a prayer of agreement going. Because most of the prayers that get put up on Facebook, they're not thinking if I can get the prayer of agreement, they're thinking if I can get enough people crying, we might be able to move God. That's a contract. And most of us, we don't go before God with prayers of agreement. We're going before him like, if I can get enough people praying, then somehow we'll move God. Like somehow my prayers could move him. That sounds like something I could boast about. <laughs> but when we come with a prayer of agreement, then we can invite people. That's why if we're going to come into a prayer of agreement, I'm going to tell you how we're going to pray. <laughs> See, when you, people say, just pray for me, just pray for me, you don't know how they're praying. Listen, when my daughter was born, I had half of, half of West Virginia mad at me, or at least the southern part. Because I told them, this is how we're going to pray for Sydney. She had four plus brain bleeds on both sides of her head. They were giving us bad news about her. And I said, here's how I want you to pray. And then my words were, if you can't pray like this, don't pray. If you can't pray, well, how dare you tell me how I can pray? I'll pray any way I want to. See, you got to be careful who you let pray with you too. Because they may be praying, well, Lord, if it's your will, if she lives or dies. We laugh at this, but it happens. Well, Lord, whatever your, whatever your will is. I know what the will of God is. The Word tells me what the will of God is. And I'm in a covenant with this God. And I have His will. <laughs> Several years later, a friend of mine worked at a 
a, a hardwood flooring plant, got his sleeve caught in a planer, in a planer. Now, if you don't know what a planer is, it's what you push the wood through and it shaves it down to make it the right thickness. I get a phone call that he was pulled into a planer up to his shoulder. I'm talking chunks gone from his hand. He's, and I, I, I mean, I, I get into the car, D and I rush to the hospital with him. We rushed to the other city, to the bigger hospital, and he said, Pastor, I want you to tell them to pray like you did with Sydney." He was the drummer in our church. So I called everybody I knew and said, listen, this is how he wants you to pray. And if you can't agree with him, just don't pray. They're mad at me again. I have family members that were mad at me. How dare you tell us how to pray? What if it was God's will that he loses his arm? Come on. You show me in the Bible where Jesus went up and hacked somebody's arm off. Where he puts sickness on anybody. You want, what's the word say? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I come not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. Come on. See, that gives us an excuse. It makes way for defeat. Good word. So they're mad at me again. <laughs> but you know what? You're right. He didn't care. I didn't care. And when they told him he didn't have nerves connected to his hand anymore, but couldn't figure out why he could still move his fingers or feel pins going in him. They can't explain that one. But what if we had somebody over here who's believing this contractual prayer? Well, Lord, maybe this will humble him. Maybe he was going to do something years later and God's just keeping him from doing it. Come on. You don't know a covenant. You know a contract. <laughs> and I remember when he first came back to church, he had played drums with one hand. Then he started playing with two. And then he was back where you never knew anything happened to him. As far as I know, he still plays. But it, 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 the difference is praying from a covenant mindset or a contractual mindset. Covenantal prayers says that I know this is what God wants. Covenantal prayers understand, I got time. Covenantal prayers, you have to understand your covenant righteousness. If you don't understand your covenant righteousness, then the only option is sin consciousness. And you're going to be so conscious of sin that you always will think, God does, I don't deserve for God to hear my prayers. I don't deserve God to answer my prayers. I'm just an old worm. I'm an old sinner saved by grace. You can't be both. What are you? Saved by grace or an old sinner? You can't be both. Make up your mind. <laughs> yeah, but I know everything. I, I know everything you used to do. Yeah, that guy's dead. You know everything that guy did. That guy did a lot of stuff. But I don't go, I don't live by that guy anymore. 
Because the new guy walks in a covenant with God. Romans chapter 4. Mm. Oh, I'm telling you folks, it's better in the house. Romans chapter 4 verse 2. If Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. In other words, if my justification is based on the works I do, the words I say, the things I, if that if that's what justifies me, then I have something to boast about. I did it. Not the cross did it. <laughs> See, if I, if I can do the right stuff, and, I, and if Abraham was justified by works, by everything he did, then he could boast about it. I saved myself. And we would never say that, but that's really what we think. <laughs> Come on. It was all about the cross. The pivot point. Verse 3. He said he had to give him something to boast about, but not before God. Now, verse 3. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness. See, this is why Abraham is that direct picture of our salvation. He believed God. What was his works? Saying yes to the covenant. He believed God. That's all he had to do. It can't be that easy. Well, it was for Abraham. And if God's not a respecter of persons, why does it have to be harder than that for me? Is, is that right, Pastor? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness, as righteousness. So what was credited as righteousness? His belief. That's it. That's it. Verse 4. Now to him who works, wages are not given as a gift, but as a debt. So D goes to work, and on the 8th and on the 22nd of every month, her job gives her a gift. They don't give her a gift. It's what she worked for. That's a wage. If salvation could have ever been won by works, it would have been a debt that God owed me. Come on. But God doesn't owe man any debt. So if works would have done it, it would have been something God owes me. So salvation came without works involved. Verse 4, Jesus did it all. Now to him who works, wages are not as a, given as a gift, but as a debt. But to him who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. <laughs> but to him who does not, now I know your first mindset wants to go, what about James. Show me your faith by your works. Should I really go into some deep history of the Bible? In the original King James Version, it was even debated whether James should have even been added. Because he was the pastor of the Jewish church, and it is known as the most Jewish book written. 
And the works that he's talking about is not works to get you salvation. It's a works that happen out of your salvation. It's because of what I know God did for me, I do for him. He don't require it of me. it's, It's a desire in me now. It's a want to. But for him who does not work, his faith is that what, what is that not what Romans tells us? But to him who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited for righteousness. Before someone runs around here and says that I say the book of James is not useful, don't. It's in the word for a reason. That just jumped up. That's going to be the first thing somebody tries to run with. Well, you're saying that book's not even worth anything. No, that's not what I said at all. I'm just giving you the history of it. And it's in there for a reason. And all scripture are given by God and is profitable. All scripture. Now, before you say amen, I could shock you and and he's going, don't. Some things that's really been bugging me here lately, Galen. But to him that does not work, who glory, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. My simple belief in Jesus as the justifier of the ungodly causes me to walk in righteousness and I pray from that position. I want to say it again. I didn't say throw James out. I like the book of James. It's got some great stuff in it. <laughs> Just telling you what happened. You okay? John says go ahead. Second Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to get emails and phone calls and texts. I probably have to look at the comments on this video tonight. <laughs> Thank you, Sandy. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 changed my life. God made him who knew no sin. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. He didn't just take on sin, he became sin. So when he was crucified, sin was crucified. And the wages of sin is, and he died. And sin went to hell. And he caused him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, here's what happens in a contractual mindset versus a covenantal mindset. We might become. That means we might not become the righteousness of God. And most of us operate from that place. I might not be the righteousness of God. I don't know. I might become the righteousness of God. Jesus became, I might become, except that word might become is only one word in the original Greek language. And that word is the word... Genomahi, Genomahi, 
And that word means to become, to come into existence. There's no question about it. He who knew no sin became sin that we would come into existence as the righteousness of God. We came into existence as the righteousness of God in Christ. That word means to come into existence, to begin to be. Who re, it means to receive being. He became sin who knew no sin, that we would it can begin to be the righteousness of God in Christ. There's no question whether you are or not. It's not, well, it says if you might become the righteous. It means to become, to cause, to come to pass, to be made. One of the definitions is the word finished. Wait a minute, what did Jesus say on the cross? <laughs> the turning point of humanity was the cross. And covenantal prayers comes based on this kind of mindset. That I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I have the mind of Christ. I belong in his presence. I am in a covenant And until I get this in my spirit, I'm always going to struggle knowing whether God's going to answer my prayers or not. But once you get it, it will change the way you pray. It'll change the words that come out of your mouth. There's not going to be any more, oh, Lord, please. You know, there's sometimes I hate to even have people tell me they want me to pray for them. Because you know what it's going to turn into? A cry session for about 15 minutes while they tell me in not so many words they're not sure whether God's going to do this or not. And, for, and if I can just get you to pray with me, I might be able to move God. Like you would have something to boast about. I'm still going to agree with you. I'm not going to pray for you. I'm going to ask you what you believe. Know what Jesus did? According to their faith? Well, if you got faith, you're going to die. Even so, Lord Jesus. <laughs> well, everybody's going to die eventually. I know. I ain't a bit afraid of it either. Come on, I don't care. I just don't want to leave her yet. I ain't done with her yet. <laughs> I feel like I'm done with her, and, I, and you'll, you'll know I'm not here anymore. <laughs> Contractual prayers go before God, wondering if they've done enough for him to hear them. Covenantal prayers go before God with the mindset of righteousness, with the mind of Christ, knowing, I thank you that you've heard me and you hear me always. It goes before God with knowing that the cross finished it and put us in a new place with God. And in that place, I stop praying contractual prayers. And I start praying covenantal prayers. And covenantal prayers are a world of different. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Father, I'm glad we've had some fun and we've been able to laugh and, and, and see some of our things that we do. But Father, I ask that you change us now. Let our mindset be changed to that finished work. Let our mindset understand what that finished work was. 
and let us come before you, O Lord, in a covenant mindset that knows that I am a son. I am a daughter of the Most High God, and he wants me here. And he's ready to answer my prayers according to his riches, because the covenant gives me access to his riches. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we leave, Pastor Ted, will you come over here and grab that microphone? I want you to bless us out of here. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand up. Turn him on there. Oh, study sheets for tonight, if you want it, they're right here. And there you are, you're on now. We're not supposed to stop this series. Okay. <laughs> um, I just told Pastor, um, we game plan all these series. Um, it's not random. And um, our game plan was I would finish this series next Wednesday night. We're just scratching this. Yeah, we're, we're just scratching this information. So we're, we're, we won't be finishing it next week. We're going to keep on going. How powerful is this body of Christ going to be when we go past understanding this and begin to operate in it huh man 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 tonight you began to understand what pastor was teaching but we're not operating in it yet huh that's still going to take some some training so it is always my pleasure to say may the lord bless you and keep you may the lord Make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord be kind to you. And may the Lord give you great righteousness understanding. In Jesus' name, amen.